You are listening to Haftarah, the Shira series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha, as we mentioned in the previous Haftarah Shir, is the rare double Parsha of Chukas Balak. And in the previous Shir, we mentioned by way of introduction that Chukas Balak only coincides as a double Parsha in Chutz La'aretz when the second day of Shavuos falls out on Shabbos, putting Chutz Laaretz, a parsha behind Eretz Yisrael. We make up the missed parsha by reading Chukas and Balak together. And Chukas was read in Eretz Yisrael last week. And in the previous year, we discussed the Haftarah for Parshas Chukas, which will not be read this year in Chutz Laaretz, but again, it was read last week in Eretz Yisrael. But now, for this particular year, we focus on the Haftarah for Parshas Balak, which will be read in Chutz Laaretz this Shabbos, as well as in Eretz Yisrael, where they will be leaning just Parshas Balak. And that Haftarah comes to us from Sefer Micha, another one of the Treyasar whom we have not yet met in the Haftarah Shir series. We will be meeting Micha again in the future before the end of this series, but for now we meet Micha for the first time with a Haftarah that begins in Perak. Hey, Pasuk Vav, 5-6, and goes all the way to Parak Vav, Pasuk Ches, 6-8. And we dedicate this shir, Luli Nishmas, Imi Merasi, Chai Rachel, Bas David Tzvi, Harinik, Paras Meshkavar, Her Nishtam, Shet Havin Aliyah. And we look at our Parsha, and it's Haftarah. So for Parsha's Balak, we have something quite similar. It's what we had in the previous Haftarah shir for Parsha's Chukas, and that is that we have a Haftarah, whose connection to the Sidra is quite clear and precise, if you look closely enough. The reading selection from Micha was probably an easy choice because the text features not only an explicit reference to Parsha's Balak, but it even contains a bunch of subtle textual parallels to the Sidra as well. In the explicit reference, Micha reminds the Bnei Israel about how Balak and Bilam attempted to curse them, and thus he urges the people in the very um, end of the Haftarah, a couple of psukim before the end, he says, Remember now what Balak, the king of Moab, plotted, and how Bilam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim until Gilgal, in order that you recognize the righteous acts of Hashem. Says Micha, remember what Hashem did for you at the time when Bilam and Balak plotted against you. Now, as for the more subtle textual parallels, for example, we find that the Navi describes the Bnei Israel among the nations as a lion among the animals of the forest, which is imagery that appears twice, at least, in the poetic prophecy which Hashem forced Bilam to declare about the Bnei Israel. You look in Parakhav Gimel and Parakhav Dalet of Bamidbar in our Parsha, you'll find that. There, Bilam describes the Bnei Israel as a crouching lion getting ready to pounce. Another interesting parallel between Micha's prophecy and Bilam's prophecy would be the references to dark magic. Although different terms are used between the two readings to describe the dark magic, both Micha and Bilam nonetheless describe that craft as being far into the Bnei Israel. As Bilam says that there is no Nachash or Kesem, no divination or sorcery in Israel, and Micha says somewhat similarly that Hashem will cut the Chishafim, the witchcraft, and the Ma'onim, the, the soothsayers, the, ma'on, uh, the, the, the Ma'onim, from the hands of the Bnei Israel's enemies. Now, why we would read from Micha's prophecy as a Haftarah for Parshas Balak is not really the question that we're going to focus on today, because the connections are obvious. 
But perhaps we should focus on a separate question, that is, why Micha makes these extensive references to Parshas Balak in the first place? Yes, in hindsight, our search for a Balak Haftarah is perhaps a no-brainer because Micha makes all these connections for us. But why does he draw our attention to these connections? Why is Micha shouting out Parshas Balak? It's not like every piece of Navi um, shouts out the Parsha. So why is Micha calling Balak to our attention? Why is he invested in it? From the standpoint of Micha himself and his prophetic message to the Bnei Israel, of what significance is the story of Parshas Balak? It's a good, important story, but what exactly was he attempting to convey to his intended audience by reminiscing about our Sidra? And if we can properly answer this question, we will not only understand the point of Micha's prophecy, but I believe that we will be able to understand Parshas Balak's message to us a little bit better. That is because, as is known, the Torah does not merely record what happened merely because it happened. And many things happened, but were not recorded in the Torah. So that means that whatever is recorded is there for some kind of posterity and is somehow relevant to the life mission of the Bnei Israel for every subsequent generation. And so by recalling the events of Parshas Balak in his speech to the Bnei Israel, Micha effectively tells us what Parshas Balak is all about and why we should recall it and read it. So what is Micha trying to tell us? Before we look any further at Micha's words, let's consider the uniqueness of Parshas Balak. The Sidra is written in a way that is strikingly different from the way most other Sidras were written. This is a point that we made back in our Parsha Panorama series, which you can find in the archives. But most of the narratives recorded in the Torah can be attested to by the Bnei Israel themselves, or at least ancestors of the Bnei Israel. There were Jews who experienced the story and were eyewitnesses to it. Those who lived in the generation of the Midbar surely witnessed the events as they unfolded. However, most of Parshas Balak, by contrast, did not take place in the sight of the Bnei Israel at all. In fact, the Sidra speaks almost entirely from the viewpoint of the villains, Israel's enemies, Balak and Bilam. While the Bnei Israel are camping and doing whatever it is that they're doing, the Torah sort of pans away from them and brings our attention to what's lurking in the shadows. And we hear a conversation between a king and an evil sorcerer. We hear of an almost comical journey involving a talking she-donkey. We watch Bilam continuously fail to curse the Bnei Israel as Balak looks on in utter frustration. All the while, the Bnei Israel are doing their own thing, blissfully unaware of what's being plotted against them. They wouldn't know a thing, of course, until it is ultimately written in the Torah, and they read it for themselves. That means that not only do they not see the threat, but they do not see Hashem saving them from that threat either. This story, then, as it is presented in our Sudra, speaks volumes. That's because there is plenty that we, as a nation and perhaps as individuals, can see Hashem doing in our favor. There are salvations that the Bnei Israel witnessed firsthand, and if we're looking closely enough every now and then, we could see the Yad Hashem as well. However, Parshas Balog takes us temporarily behind the curtain to see what we may not otherwise be aware of, the hidden works of Hashem. So, why does Micha bring up Parshas Balog? And I believe it is because this exact message needed reinforcing. 
After stating that Hashem will inflict vengeance upon the enemies of Israel, Micha begins to declaim the Riv Hashem, or the argument of Hashem. What is the great argument of Hashem? So as the Navi continues, Micha voices Hashem's frustration, as it were, asking them, Ami Anebi, my nation, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. The Navi portrays Hashem almost as being on the defensive, as if being challenged by the Bnei Israel for having committed some crime against them. The Navi continues, Pasuk Dalad, Ki That I brought you up from Egypt, and from the house of bondage I redeemed you. Now if you're looking at the words inside and listening closely, you might notice the wordplay as Hashem asked, how did he weary the people? but with an aleph in there. And then he argues that on the contrary, he brought them up from Egypt. It's almost a homonym, but there, is not with an aleph in the middle, it's with an ayin, like the Sharash of Allah to go up. He says, have I wearied you? Or have I brought you up? Haven't I done good for you? And up until that point, Hashem's message is that the people have seen with their eyes the good that he has done for them. But then we get to the crucial pasuk of the Haftarah. Zachar na ma ya'atz balak melech moav u'me'ana oso bilam ben ba'or min shitim an ha'yogal l'mandas tzidkas Hashem. Remember now a Bala king of Moab plotted, and how Bilam son of Ba'or answered him, from shitim until Gilgal, in order that you recognize the righteous acts of Hashem. Why do we read Parshas Balak? says the Pasuk, in order that we see the truest extent of Hashem's righteousness and His goodness to us. Because you know what? As hard as life may get at times, there is so much that God does and is constantly doing for us. Yes, things that we can see for ourselves, and yet as much of God's kindness as we can see ourselves, there is so much, probably so much more that we have no idea about. We do not see the hundreds of cancer cells that Hashem allows our immune systems to fight daily. We do not see every accident that almost happened. We don't see every plot of our enemies that Hashem foils. That is the often forgotten lesson of Parshas Balak. That is the argument of Hashem. That is what has the Navi frustrated. Not only do we have the brazenness to veer from Hashem's will, but we attempt to put him on the defensive and challenge him as if he had somehow wronged us. When we have only a sliver, if anything, of an idea of what good Hashem is, has, and continues to do for us. So what does the Bnei Israel need to do to fix everything? In another parallel to our Sidra, the Navi sarcastically portrays the response of the Bnei Israel, asking how many thousand karbonos it will take to make things right. In Perak Vav, Sokin Vav to Zion. Now this should remind us of the idiocy of Balak, who thought that he could simply manipulate Hashem to allow Bilam's curses to somehow go through and land by offering Hashem a bunch of animal offerings. But that's not what Hashem wanted from Balak, and it's not what he wants from the Bnei Israel either. So what does he want of them? In the closing Pasuk of our Haftarah, in the final parallel to Parshas Balak, the Navi states in 
Perak Vav, Pasuk Tas. Matov Uma Hashem Doresh Mimcha, Kimasos Meshpa Vavas Chesed, Vahatsnea Lachas Imelokacha. Says the Navi, What is good? And what is it that Hashem seeks from you? He lists three things. That you do justice, mishpat. That you have love of kindness. And three, that you modestly walk with your God. The Navi instructs the Bnei Israel using the praise of Bilam himself, which we find in Bamidbar, Chavdalad, hey, Matov, right? The Navi here says Matov. Bilam says Matovu Ohalech Yaakov. How goodly are your tents, O Yaakov, your dwellings, Israel. What was Bilaam's unwitting praise concerning the Bnei Israel's tents? Chazal tell us that it was their tznius, their modesty, as Rashi cites there from the Gemara of Abbasra. Or in other words, like Micha, parallels and echoes, Walk modestly with your God. Now, what exactly does tznius mean in this context? So, perhaps it has nothing really to do with the way the Bnei Israel dressed, per se. Neither does it merely mean to be humble, right? That would be a reference to Anivos. So, what exactly is Tznias? I find Tznias usually has the connotations of modesty, maybe doing something in private. Perhaps this reminds us a little bit of the parallel to Hashem himself. How, yes, Hashem does public chesed for us, but Hashem, too, will, most of the time, act in sneas. He'll act modestly. He'll do chesed, but he'll do it in private. All the secret chesedim that, that we don't even know about, the nisim and flows that Hashem is doing for us, b'chal yom, at all times, b'chal Right? There's a certain sneas that Hashem has. Is it possible that maybe, instead of challenging Hashem in a brazen way, maybe we could be a little bit more modest and maybe do our own secret chesed? Maybe a chesed that only Hashem can see, because of course there's nothing that we can do that Hashem can't see. But maybe, if Hashem is constantly doing chesed modestly with us, maybe we can be a little bit more modest, a little bit more meek. Tzniyas implies a certain sense of chastity and innocence, right? not acting with brazenness. In other words, beyond doing the right thing, mishpat, and loving kindness, avas chesed, these things that Hashem constantly expects of us, Hashem also suggests that the Bnei Israel would benefit to be Tsanua, to quiet down, and to think before they unabashedly challenge Hashem as if they see everything and have a fair complaint against Him. Because when they decide to be immodest and shameful to call Hashem out, what they do is they unsneously expose their own ingratitude. They bear themselves naked not just the way they ultimately sinned in Parshas Balak at the very end by breaching the boundaries of modesty with the Benos Moab and the Benos Midian, aside from that. But when we turn our backs on Hashem, even in the context of our rhetoric, how we speak to Hashem and how we act in our own lives, even in our quote-unquote private lives, there too we display a gesture of immodesty in so doing, right? We expose ourselves, our own ingratitude. But forget gratitude for a second. We're not asking for a thank you right here in the Novi, in our Haftarah. What's the Novi asking for? Simple modesty. 
not gratitude, just be a little bit more modest, that they be a little bit more hesitant to make any complaints and to display themselves, to put on a display against Hashem, considering how much of Hashem's good they could not see. They should be modest with Hashem, considering the sneers with which Hashem himself uses when he secretly protects them and showers them with constant kindness. How embarrassed they would be if only they knew how much they were receiving from Hashem. How much more, if they knew, would they be a little bit more modest? Parshas Balak Micha tells us has to be a constant reminder of all of these kindnesses that Hashem does for us on a constant basis, whether we can see them or not. It is that sometimes necessary peek behind the curtain, the backstage footage, that we are sometimes privy to seeing, or at least hearing about. That's our reminder to walk modestly with Hashem. We should all be zocha to not only Hashem's kindness, both secret and revealed, but to have an awareness of Hashem's kindness and to modestly walk with Hashem so that He should reveal to us the ultimate kindness with the coming of the Geula in the days of Mashiach and Meher Bimenu. As always, if you enjoyed this year and others like it on the podcast and you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the Database Podcast WhatsApp group where you will find links to every uploaded Shear or links that I repost for Shearim due to their relevance, then all you need to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, have a wonderful rest of your week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And of course, thank you for joining us here at the Database.